Hey, what's going on? Jesus Christ, it's been like 500 years since I've recorded an episode, but uh, I did get a chance to catch up with life. I say that like I was out in the jungle doing soul searching. I was not. Uh, but yeah, man, I was I was fucking lazy or whatever, but uh, I'm back. The podcast is back. And uh, the first episode back, let's call it season two, because why not? I have my good buddy, Baba McComb, and we talk about his time uh, working as an EMT and how mushrooms changed his life. It may seem like a cliche, but I think it was a really, really solid conversation. And Bubba's the most genuine guy ever, right? So, yeah, man, this is awesome. Abra Talks to People is back. So, here you go. Here's Abra Talks to Baba McComb. Okay, check one, two. We have Crip Mac in the building. No, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just showed up our very, very small sample of Crip Mac. We got. Our, we already have a lot to talk about. All right, we have a Baba Macomb. He is not Crip Mac, but he just showed me a video, which I don't know what the fuck that was. All right. So, Baba, how are you doing? <laughs> Let's start out there. How the fuck are you doing? Dude, buddy? I have recently been doing pretty damn good, um, and that's a new thing to say. I've been in a very, very, very long depressive downswing, uh, and I'm just now coming out of it within these last couple months, and I'm feeling pretty fucking good about it, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that that's great to hear, man. So, so people yeah. who don't know Baba Macomb, funny fucking comedian, Thank you. man with a lot of follicles, hair follicles. It's true. I think we all have the same amount, just mine are longer, right? But it's not the same amount, then it's more volume if you have more hair. No, true. True. I'm talking about follicles. follicles. The same shit. amount of you follicles. You got me. I, I try to be fancy and I know, say hey. follicles. You fucking hey. got me in a jujitsu lock. I, I went to community college <laughs> too, dude. Okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. You're, you're, you're an ASU graduate. I shouldn't disrespect you that way. I, I apologize. Yeah, ASU is going to community college, but with a line of credit. Yeah, and a bunch of potential for crazy shit to happen, dude. I, uh... I actually worked, I think we actually talked about this briefly, I worked on an ambulance um, in the ASU vicinity, and uh, I have a real deep-rooted um, disapproval of ASU and its students and the and the uh, culture they have there. <laughs> I can From see an outsider's it. perspective, I really, really don't like that shit, you know what I mean? I can see it in your eyes, and we'll get to the, the EMT yeah, and yeah. like, you know, what, what fucking somebody chopped somebody's yeah. dick off at the ASU Tempe campus, we'll get to those Some, stories. Bro, you're almost right. Almost right. You're wow. not. You're not. You didn't get it completely right. But Jesus. yeah, there's things that, that happen out there that are just, uh, just you know, you think that you're sending your kid off to a fucking great college to get a great education, which may be true, but there's a lot of shit going on out there. Wow. <laughs> there's a wow. lot of weird, weird, weird things happening in Tempe. Yeah, we we have, let's let's get to that Kay. in a quick second yeah. though. Like you know, you said you've kind of come out of a. An episode of mm-hmm. uh, a prolonged episode of depression is that yep. a good way to put it? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, so the way I like to describe my my depression is it's just like a golf swing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're on the up, going down to hit the ball, and the ball being your low point, and then the rest is a come. It comes back up. So it's like depression, just like a one big pendulum. You know what I mean? Like one day you'll be feeling really, really good. Well, this is, and I can only speak to me, but I know that people share this experience as well. But I'll be feeling really good positive optimistic about everything you know like uh, i'm a realist but even like the realism of reality can be good too and so i choose to focus on these things that are good and make me feel like i'm making progress but then sometimes it's just uh inevitable and i can't stop it but the depression just comes and it's just really heavy and i stop indulging in things that make me happy i stop like taking care of my hygiene completely like i'll go like four or five days without showering sometimes dude if i'm not being active and that's just 
I mean, it's 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 a common side effect, but it it's heavy when it's there. Like a roller coaster, right? Yeah, going pretty up much. Up and down, up and down. So, but yeah. So, do you like not get joy out of the activities that you usually get joy out of, or mm-hmm. do you like somehow like arrange your life where you don't partake in those activities? So, uh, to be completely honest, I really stop finding like the the level of joy in things. Like when I'm super depressed, like your brain just doesn't allow you to feel like good about the good things and then the bad things seem more real than the good things because you know the bad things are real just as real as the good things are but like my depression like when it's low low um all i can feel and all i can think about is like just the bad shit that's really a part of my life it's not like a like a uh you know i'm I'm worried about things that aren't bad it's not like I'm creating problems in my head. It's just hyper focused on the problems that I do have, and it just like really puts like a, a weight on me, and I just can't really get up out of it until whenever, dude. Yeah, it's like sometimes a- it's a month, sometimes it's six months, sometimes it's a fucking hat like a year, and like I just go with it, man, and I stop being productive when I'm depressed, and it sucks. Yeah, man, I, I I hear you, like, but like obviously I can't completely empathize with your situation because. I think I'm depressed, like like the colloquial, like, oh, I'm feeling a little low, so I'm depressed, mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't feel like getting out of bed or whatever it sure. may be, like, how do you draw the line, right? Like, because if you, like, have clinical depression, like, you can really tell, like, that, okay, this is medically diagnosed depression. That's different from feeling low, right? So I think, like, do you get annoyed when people, like, uh, say if they have, like, a minor, like, if they are having a bad day, they say, oh, I'm depressed. Like, do you nah. get annoyed, like, somebody's, like, it's like uh, somebody's owning that, that word? Or no that way, dude. Like, you can feel depressed for a day, you know? And if you feel depressed for a day a lot, then that's something that you should um, go to a doctor for because that's mm-hmm. not normal either. If, like, I have some pretty... Um, steep mood swings you know what i mean like like again i'd be feeling super super happy and within the same day i'll go all the way down all the way up all the way back down and it's fucking exhausting and i know it's not normal but i've learned to live with it and that's just a part of my life now and when it is happening it's not so scary i just acknowledge it and just kind of try and indulge in things that usually make me happy unfortunately food makes me really fucking like joyful you know so when i'm depressed i get that like legit serotonin rush when i like bite into something that i really find tasty and you know it's uh it's the story of a lot of people you know they get depressed and they get fat and that's exactly what happened to me you know what i mean you get serotonin (laughs) from food and then Mm -hmm. then you're not as active so that's a recipe for disaster yeah but then when food when food truly is at some points in your life the only thing that does give you that like instant satisfaction that almost makes you smile like you bite into something and you haven't felt joy in so long you know sometimes days sometimes again like but food for me is one of those things that's if i bite into something i know is good it always like sparks that little like that little hint of ser- like the joy or whatever yeah. you want to chalk it up to but um yeah it's just real it's just a normal thing and if you're a little depressed like fucking tell somebody yeah. like i don't think you should ever feel like you're being annoying by saying like you know i'm i'm feel depressed today and if someone's like you know making you feel like you're being a burden for your emotions then they're just not ready to yeah. be the friend that you need him to be anyway so i mean if you don't have any more friends to call on fucking no yeah dude like see for for me like my mental makeup is like so weird again like i don't know if i have depression but mm-hmm. i like go through like you know whatever a lull or something sure but i like structure thoughts in my head where i i kind of make sure i think 
or like convince myself that oh no it's nothing is is like i'll just make sure like i you know how i don't know how to put it you but just like push it down yeah exactly yep. yeah yeah there you go like just fucking push yep. it down in that billboard like yep. bit about like you just fucking shove yep. it push it down yeah and and you're not special dude it's people do that i mean every other person you look at is pushing it down you know it's just uh sometimes you just find a way out of doing that you know um just by experimenting or you know looking you know in different ways to like feel better or sometimes you just get stuck feeling that way for a really long time and it just like kind of makes everything around you and everyone around you just a little less joyful and uh you know even speaking on you know Bill Burr uh, I know that he had said even Bill Burr had started diving into the use of mushrooms as yeah. being a a tool to make himself understand himself more and um you know like I'd be the first one to tell you like I was uh straight edge from 16 to 23 and if you don't know what straight edge is it's like a a lifestyle choice that you choose to live I mean no one's straight edge just because they haven't drank or smoked in a long time but it's a like a a lifelong like <laughs> dedication like to be straight edge and I like got tattoos for it and stuff and I was completely sober like aggressively sober from like 16 to 23 and at 23 that was my first time actually experiencing depression on a real real level and i had no way to feel better i had no outlet there was nothing in my life that gave me joy when i was like straight edge and super angry out of control but i just like uh got really really suicidal and it got to the point where if like if i went home that night that was it you know I, there was guns in the house i knew where all of them were like it was just a, i was spiraling and uh i texted my sister missy if you guys know missy you know shout out whatever yeah she she, she can roast the shit out of a yeah, guy <laughs> yeah missy's good man <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah give her a mic and she will fucking it's just car- well, it, it's um me and her just talk shit to each other real shit hateful spiteful shit to each other a whole life until um this this moment right here where i was on my way home and i i asked her i was like missy like i'm I'm really really down bad right now depression like I need to come smoke a blunt and try to get my mind thinking differently you know and she was like what are you serious cuz I was sober for 7 years like a, like a like sober to the point where if you smoked weed you were a fucking loser to me no no like, but was this really, let's let's like dwell on this a little bit sure. so six, till up till 16 you're just like a regular teenager smoking whatever, weed getting smoke drunk weed, yeah, having sex have a beer whatever right yep, i know yep. fucking uh, suck dicks like whatever you have What to do yeah 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 i probably would have yeah right yeah. like so but at <laughs> 16 something happened you did not like like a mormon like kid did not visit you no, knock no, no. on your door it was uh, not religious but you went straight edge like i just thought that was like just a phrase but you're saying that's an actual lifestyle yes. straight edge yeah so and there were there's definitely a you are right there was a catalyst um to to that too um <clears throat> 15 years old my grandma had passed away and um that was you know the most important person in my life other than my mom and that one really really was bad and i just you know remember remember her like asking me like not to just don't don't do drugs you know what i mean like that's that's one thing that she focused on like asking me in her time of like the end life cycle and uh you know i was like okay you know I'm like okay and even up until you know 3 or 4 months after she had passed i had like dabbled in a little bit of weed a little bit of alcohol just cuz it really does it, it can help you know yeah. the uh, morning phase but um after that i had found a group of friends um kind of on a whim man like i had no idea that this culture even existed and i found a group of friends that they're like yeah we're straight edge and i'm like 
what the fuck is that? <laughs> what is that? You know, and I was like, what is that? And he's like, we don't, you know, do drugs. We don't do alcohol. You know, we don't fuck around. Like, whatever. We're like a, like a pretty nice. Is it like no fap a part of it? Like, is no, it like no, 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 no. Okay. There's like a, there's like a part of it that's like, you know, um, no promiscuity, no promiscuity, but that's kind of been phased out because that's just, it's way too, um, subjective yeah it's like it's it's too straight edge for it's, even the straight edges right right so even the people that were straight edge in that time like the half were like yeah no no promiscuity you know no sluts like <laughs> real weird about it and then no there's the host. other half where like us were like yeah we don't ruin our lives with drugs but like we'll fuck i'll finger you you know what i mean yeah, yeah whatever <laughs> but so i i uh i found this small group of people and um they were really really cool man and i felt like uh there was a real sense of camaraderie right away and, um, you know, I told them about my grandma and stuff and, you know, they just let me know like, if you want to claim edge, like do it, but just know that it's like a, a serious choice. Like we you don't said claim edge, like, claim it. Like you claim that you're straight edge. Wow. It, it's a it's whole All world. That, like, there's a like terminology. Around oh, dude, it. there's a whole <laughs> world that, I mean, we could have a four hour <laughs> podcast on, um, straight edge and w- the experiences <laughs> I've had in that culture, man. It yeah, is. It's, it's funny how like it's straight edge, but like edging is something like straight edge. Straight edge just means you're a straight guy getting edged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it was a very violent culture. And um, I really loved that. I really latched on to that. I you mean like lot. violent, like psychologically violent? No, no, no. Or they just Physically like fuck, violent. Like fucking fight club. No? Mm-hmm. All the time. Like wow. from, I would say from 16 to about 20, 20 years old, 21, um, I was probably fighting someone or in a fight or in a fucking street brawl probably once every other weekend. Wow. Just because the opportunity was there and I was just so angry out of control and everyone in my life was dying, like a whole bunch of my friends and family and it just like the pain just never fucking seemed to stop. And I had no outlet other than violence. And yeah. so um there was one time uh when I was twenty years old that um things got like really violent and uh, you know, I didn't know if I had potentially like really, really hurt somebody and I still don't know how th- that night ever played out for that guy but um that was like a scary moment in my life and since then since the 20 years old it's been 10 years since i've like fought somebody but but then at 20 years old when i decided i wasn't going to fight people anymore um i had no outlet for my anger and depression that i was dealing with so all that just bottled up man three years of it just bottled up bottled up bottled up and then i just had i just smoked weed and like everything changed dude like immediately Right. It was so crazy, man. Like, I remember it so vividly, and I just remember feeling like, like I can't believe feeling this good was just right around the corner this whole time. You know what I mean? Like, I remember just feeling so dumb for judging everybody so much, and this all happened in like the first five minutes of me being high, right. like crying. You know what I mean? Feeling so bad for all the like shit I used to give my sister for smoking weed, like calling her a fucking loser, nobody, like just. It was just such a weird emotional shift, and uh, I haven't, I mean, to be honest, I haven't, uh, this is not a point of bragging, but it just is what it is. Since that day, seven years ago, um, I haven't skipped a day smoking weed. There hasn't been a single day where I haven't smoked zero weed. Yeah, I mean, there is uh, something to be said about about the regiment. And things have just been steadily getting better. Like, I still get into my depressive phases, but I know how to deal with them now. You know, it doesn't, yeah. like, completely derail my entire life. But, uh, yeah, weed was the catalyst, man, for me, like, changing everything. And then mushrooms was the thing that let me fix myself. 
weed allowed me not to feel so bad about who I've been. And then mushrooms were like, you want to be someone else? Well, we'll help you. And once I figured out that you could use mushrooms as a tool to legitimately change the whole fucking, like, who you are to the core, I just really, really got interested. And I was going in on myself, like, every week for, yeah. like, six months straight. Like, like Baba, yeah. see, you you went, like, I think you go hardcore in, like, one direction. You pick a direction, you, like, you go all If in it's working, why not, right? No, no, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, what I'm, like, kind of observing here is, so you went to the straight edge thing, right? And you said there was a catalyst, like, a friend you spoke to. My, my grandma, yeah, when she yes. passed away, she so asked she me. she passed no away, drugs. but then, then like, in, f- in the next few months, then you found somebody, like, who was part of that lifestyle. Yeah, it was very And you strange. went, like, all into it. Like, yep. you went all in, and then, like once you smoked weed like you went all in mm-hmm. into it like yeah man which is interesting that like you you went all in so like a- anybody else saying that oh weed changed my life and they've like always only smoked weed sure. like i wouldn't i would like maybe it's wrong on my part but i discounted in it in my head that hey man like you've smoked weed like every day since you're mm-hmm. 13 years old or yeah. 11 years old like you don't know what the other way around is. Like exactly. You, but you've kind of gone through like the both. Bo- you're like a fucking like both a extremes. Clinical trial, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dude, speaking of which, I literally just got offered uh, to go be studied for four days for depression. Yeah. And I might take it. I think it pays like nine hundred dollars. So fucking I'm like, fucking make fuck some it. money off <laughs> of the depression. At least. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and so you are right, though. You know, when, when I uh, when I found Straight Edge, it's, it's exactly what I was looking for, which is structure. And sobriety, even though I didn't need the sobriety, I was doing it for someone. So it meant a lot and it was wow. easy to maintain, right? But then the the weight of that promise was far surpassed by the weight of the depression that eventually caught me like when I was an adult. Yeah. And uh, I definitely, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be um, uh, dramatic. I'm just open about it. But yeah. I was for sure going to kill myself that day. And I was just like, well, I'm going to text my sister. And hopefully she texts back because this is it. Okay. And it just like, I mean, it, it, if you're down that low, dude, it really can change, man. You just got to just open up yourself to a couple experiences you might not be comfortable with. But if you're down bad, bad, and you can't f- fucking be happy, you got to start stepping outside the box because nothing's yeah. worse than feeling bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's feeling scared is better than feeling bad, in my opinion. Like, even sometimes on these mushroom trips, you kind of get scared of, like, you know, the reality that is like you know there's a lot to consider but that's the awareness and 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 you feeling empathic about it is far more better feeling than feeling nothing or feeling or trying to feel something and feeling nothing you know so i mean that's i guess if you want some advice if you can't seem to get out of the cycle you got to just fucking do something whether it's mushrooms weed therapy therapy was great and i did all three at the same time and it was fucking phenomenal yeah, you were on the yeah. fucking like you know the multi multi channel regiment. That's that's great. Yeah. So like, how would you get into mushrooms though? Like, so it's a weed. Like that's common, right? Sure. Everybody smokes weed, so it's around. And then you had your sister, so you started yeah. there, and that that fe- made you feel good. Now, where do you see that? Okay, I need to try mushrooms. Was that happenstance, or was that like calculated? Very calculated. I did. I mean, if I would have applied myself in school to the way I applied learning about mushrooms, <laughs> dude, I would have done way better for myself. Because I read everything there was to read in, at that time about psilocybin mushrooms. I read countless, I'm talking probably upwards towards 50 individual uh, trip reports from different people on different dosages and different settings. And like I had a little spreadsheet. Jeez. Like I was saying, okay, this guy tripped at home this much. 
bad trip report or good trip report? Good trip report. Bam, right? And it is in its own little section. Yeah. This guy took this much at home. Bad trip, right? Okay, so I'm not going to do take that much at this place. And so I just set myself up for the most successful and successful in my eyes is positive reinforcing trip. And um, I went back to my sister's house and I ended up taking mushrooms with um, her boyfriend at the time, which is a good, was a good friend of mine at the time. And my cousin, which is my cousin, like we're, we've always been close and it was a beautiful experience to take that with, uh, with my family. And um, after that, I mean, I could talk about that trip all day, but it really just, I mean, I, I don't think I've said the words beautiful. It like, in a, in a descriptive way up until I started taking mushrooms. And that's like the only thing that I could say about like the way things looked, the colors, the fucking playground in the apartment complex looked beautiful, dude. Like the, the colors were the most insane thing. Like I've never seen like oranges like that and yellows like that. And the grass was so, so green. And it was just, I mean, I was experiencing like true beauty in just this shitty little Section 8 apartment complex that I lived in, like, across the street from my sister. Wow. It was not a place where you go find, like, beauty, but it was, like, the company and the mushrooms and, like, the amount was perfect and, like, the where we were was controlled and it was just a really good, really good time. And from then, just started using it as a tool rather than a way to feel good. Yeah. And then now feeling good doesn't seem so hard. Right. You so know what I mean? You know that that is awesome. Like, and how you say, like, you know, you throw around certain adjectives, right? You'll just throw around, oh, that's hilarious. Like, somebody had a joke. I think Louis C.K. had a joke. Or uh, yeah, no, I, I know what joke you're talking yeah, about. Like, yeah. like it is hysterical. Like, right, I mean, how right. is it hysterical? Like, it's just like, uh, like a coffee cup or something like right. that, right? Like, so same thing with like beautiful. Like, I'll throw the word around. Mm-hmm. Oh, beautiful. Brilliant. I've been listening to a lot of Ricky Gervais and like the old, old uh, Sirius X, XFM podcast. That, that's just, that's his UK vocab right there. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. 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 Now, yeah. And I fucking <laughs> say it's not brilliant. Right. No. I, just, it, it's nothing like so. But when you are saying beautiful yeah. in that state, you are actually, you actually mean beautiful. Man. And, and, you know, I, I hold no holier than thou outlook with these things, with the mushrooms. But I'm telling you right now, it is just a fact. And it's, it's not me. It's just a fact that you cannot experience life sober like you can on even a, a, a micro dose of mushrooms. Yeah. You can't. There's no natural way to to do what mushrooms do to you neurologically. There's no uh, there's nothing that can happen that makes you feel elongated real elation and joy and you know where it's coming from it's not like ecstasy where you feel happy but you just feel happy because all your serotonin is cycling through your brain yeah, or it's not faking the system exactly either. yeah and, and what's cool is the mushrooms completely leave your your ssri receptors intact they don't drain it they don't do anything to it what they do is attach they attach to your serotonin receptors and then they um, that's where the science is lost like they attach to your serotonin receptors and mimic like a, a, a happiness, but then when you look at there's a thermal image scanning of a sober brain and a brain on LSD and a, well, a brain on mushrooms, and um, science is just showing that you are your brain is about like 80% more active and it's communicating with parts of the brain that never communicate with each other on a sober state, and so it's becoming less and less of an argument when I tell people like if you want to experience your feelings whatever that is, magnified by a great amount, then you do mushrooms. 
right? If you're feeling good about life and you know you, you love where you are, or even if you don't love where you are, but you appreciate it and you're not stuck in a perpetual state of, I hate myself, mushrooms can be good for anybody. And um, they don't have to be a trippy amount where you're closing your eyes and you're seeing fractal patterns and stuff and you know you can't fucking walk straight. Like you can do that if you want, but that's not very um, productive if you're trying to really get inside of yourself and see what you don't like and what you like. And you can just change that shit, dude. It's, yeah, it's, so it's wild. I mean, like, see, my wife and I, we we talk about like we don't talk about mushrooms, but like talk we like talk about us being anxious mm-hmm. and worried like so much, like, and it's a healthy conversation. Sure. Like, you know, we kind of share that with each other, and we talk through that, and and it's like the same bullshit. Like, you have work. There's a lot of work. Yep. Both of us go to school like while we are working. So there's all this like stuff that we have to do. And there's, like, family stuff, her family, my family, whatever, right? We talk about this and, like, it's the same shit. It's the same cycle mm-hmm. of, okay, we are feeling we're feeling anxious about something that's happening. But you think, like, this can break the cycle? I don't know. It seems like a magic pill solution. But, like, do you think this will, like, give us a different perspective that we are not looking at? We are looking at, like, only a part of the elephant, like they say. Like, is it going to help us zoom out? Oh no, help it, me personally, her personally to zoom out and look at the whole fucking elephant. It feels like you read about what it does because like you're describing what it does. It it allows you to look at whatever you're thinking about from a different perspective, but it's your own. It's not a foreign perspective. It's another perspective that was already there, but you've never considered it because your anxiety won't allow you to consider it another mm-hmm. perspective. And um, you know, you can there's there's two ways of, of getting more um a solidified answer for you one you can keep asking people like that do mushrooms you're going to find the same answers with everybody you talk to that has done them more than a a time or two right is it changes the way you think about things and that is a commonuity no one ever skips over that you know and for example the second time i took mushrooms i took it with the intention of like okay let's see how far i can go into myself see if i can fix some of these problems took a decent dose two grams it's not like um whoa dude really like whoa you are fucking crazy two grams is a still a decent dose you can talk on it yeah. you can socialize if you needed to sometimes you can't but um the whole plan was to take some my sister was there uh at, at the house she wasn't with me in the room but she was just at the house in case i started like having ba- a bad trip or something it's just a, a nice safety blanket to have someone there and um in the most literal way what happened was, is when I started tripping, crossed my legs and just got into like a meditative position, closed my eyes. And I had seen a, a, uh, filing cabinet. I, I was like seeing my, you know, like I was, my eyes were closed, but I was seeing like I was seeing from my eyes. It makes sense. Yeah, mind side. Like a closed eyes, closed eyed hallucination. Like if you paint a, a movie in your head. Yeah, like it's a, your mind side. I think that's yes, what, yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. So. It was me, but I was I was seeing it, right. and you know I would pull I'd pull out a filing cabinet all the way out, and there's all these files in in this cabinet like a cabinet would have, and I took a file out, Manila folder, un unmarked or anything, mm-hmm. and I opened it up, and it was like a fucking CIA document of a problem I had or like a wow. feeling I had, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I don't. It's not important to get to the details of what the feelings sure. were. But I saw it and I was reading like a fucking report on this feeling 
but it was like a real one. You know, it was a, can you do anything about this problem? No. I literally like threw out the fucking folder and grabbed another one. <laughs> like problem, you know, can you do anything on this problem? Yes. What can you do? Bam, do it. Can you think differently? Yes. Bam. Threw it out of the way. Like oh, it was, God. I was going through every insecurity I had, every uh, tra- traumatic emotion that I wanted to just kind of process or event that I wanted to process. I was like addicted to thinking about these things that used to fucking like level me emotionally. But I was just like thinking about it in such a different way and understanding that life is, and this is so fucking cliche, but you know, you should listen to cliches because they've been said so many times over the course of the, of the universe, we hate hearing it. Yeah. Right. So we brush cliches off, right? It's just, you are truly, truly in full control of what you worry about, but we just have a hard time learning how to, like, l- learning how to control it. And uh, I don't think you can do it sober, man. Like, it's so fucking hard, dude. Yeah. The problems that bother you to the root of, of who you are that you don't talk about, the things that you do, like, behind the curtains or, like, whatever you, like, feel shame about or something like that, that you can't talk to anybody about, it's just like a cleansing, you know what I mean? And I haven't done anything outlandish in, in my life, but everything that I hated about myself was just a reflection of like who I wanted to be and I who I I was wasn't that person. So I was just like, okay, fuck it then. Like I'll just be this shitty, shitty, shitty person until I took mushrooms, dude. It just blew it all up for me. Wow. Yeah, dude, this is this is super interesting stuff and I'm like such a pussy like I, I've probably asked so many people and we talk about it and mm-hmm. I'm like ah should I do it no I probably should not and then I go back and I'm like okay let's push that under the rug right? you'll know you'll know man I, I don't think anyone should be pushed into doing it yeah. but I do think that um, what's most important is that if you're even thinking about doing it I think what's really important is you take a tiny bit and you prove to yourself right away that this isn't something that's gonna fucking ruin your mind or destroy you or anything like that um you just take a tiny bit i'm talking something that doesn't even do anything to you just eat a tiny little nibble get that initial f- tiny little fear out of the way and the next time you do it take a little bigger bite next time you do it take a little bigger bite and you just inch your way in dude like fucking dip your toe in the water as many times as you need to yeah. like it's it, it can it can change your life man and and some people aren't ready for that experience so when they do take mushrooms thinking they're gonna have a good time at a party Right. Woo, let's take some mushrooms. Fuck yeah. And then that person actually hates themselves. Bad night for them, dude. Oh, man. Because they start thinking about who they are. Yeah. And they're not happy with it. And they didn't have intentions to think about how much they hate themselves. Right. With with the tools to fix it, they're just trying to party. Right. So they have a terrible night. I've I've heard and seen that happen many times, man. Like, people are just irresponsible. You got to be responsible with this shit. It's, uh... And once you start understanding the feeling that you get when you take any of these psychedelics then you can start taking it socially if you want like i can take like a half a gram of of mushrooms and go anywhere and have a better time it's just i'm really used to that mindset now and just uh very open to the experience and you know everyone gets there if they keep doing anything yeah like uh, i I keep i hear like some some guys you know talking about uh, i took like a gram of mushrooms Mm -hmm. and like a six pack of bud light i don't know like it just doesn't seem right yeah then like in my mental image at least the branding of both of those things they don't go together you're right i i never drink i never drink on psychedelics i never have an urge to um i don't like to dumb down the experience at all and that's what alcohol does to me it dilutes my like my thinking 
Yeah. And and like increases my like emotions and like but I perceive them wrong when I'm drunk. It's mm-hmm. I don't like the feeling of being drunk even now that I've been doing um psychedelics for long enough and there's places in Mexico and Peru and now in the United States where if you want to try to stop drinking alcohol or get off heroin and shit, they take you to Mexico and just have you do mushrooms yeah. for five days. Wow. And the success rate is staggering, like in the 80s. Wow. And it's not a, it's just becoming more and more accessible and the knowledge is becoming um, less mystic. It's not becoming an art, it's becoming less of an argument and more of a, uh, okay, like that's a fact. You yeah, know? that's a, it's a thing. Like so it's, it's yeah. becoming more and more part of popular of the popular culture. But Baba Macomb, that was fucking. I don't know, man. That's piqued my interest. I don't know about the listeners here, the six of you guys. Yeah. But uh, that really piqued my interest into into like looking into it more, like in a more genuine way. But that's fucking great. But let's kind of try yeah. to transition here. Yeah. I want to fucking ask you though, like you know, through through all of this, uh-huh. how the fuck do you get to be called Baba? I don't know if you've said this okay. like, uh, before, but how do you get? <laughs> you don't look like a Baba. Uh, yeah. Right? The only Baba yeah. I knew growing up, right? I grew up in India, so there weren't like any Babas sure. like in the trailer park next <laughs> to next to mine. I knew Baba Ray Dudley. <laughs> yeah. From yeah, yeah. the Dudley Boys. Of course, dude. Dudley. Of course. <laughs> yeah, dude. Everyone's everyone's um, picture of a Baba is different. It's one of two things. It's either a giant black black man or it's just a fat sloppy white hick you know what i mean and i I tend to think that uh you know people have said that i've looked more and more like a bubba as the years go on which is you know it's a funny thing to say to a friend but it hurts a little bit you know just a little bit (laughs) just a little bit but yeah i think a little uh, microdose of mushrooms not gonna take the edge off you couldn't you couldn't i swear to god you couldn't say anything to me it made me like question myself. I'm yeah. so sure of myself. Anyways, now, what is Bubba? So Bubba, so uh, well, I don't know what Bubba is. It could be anything. You I want, thought I that guess. was like a fucking like that was not it, a real name. I thought it was just like a nickname. It's a term of endearment yeah. in the South. Um, it's a nickname in the South. It's a, a name in the South. It is? Some people, yeah. And um, I don't have any ties to that. But my uh, me and my sister, I think um. Yeah, your year? sister's named Missy, so so uh, there's something yeah. going on. Somebody's yeah. thinking. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're like a year and um, three months apart, or a year and four months apart, not far. So when we were babies, um, my sister couldn't pronounce brother, ah. so it came out as Bubba, wow. and it stuck what's for a, thirty fucking years. What's your Christian name, Bubba? Uh, well, my actual name is Christian, and I'm not going to say it on the podcast. If you know, you know, I'll tell you it after. I'll uh, tell you after. All right, let's do it offline. But it, it's a, it's a Bible name, and it's so fucking boring, man. You know, like you could probably guess it. It's it's just so boring. Yeah, right. I don't respond to it any. Like I, no one in my life calls me that. The only person that ever called me by my real name was my grandma, and she'd passed away a long time ago. So mm-hmm. now it's nobody. Wow. It's Bubba all across the board, and um. Gotcha. No, I thought that was your actual like name on your driver's license, oh, Baba. I know that'd be some shit. <laughs> that'd be some fucking shit. All right, so like, <laughs> what I did want to talk about, we were doing this fun, fun show at what was that fucking stir rave? crazy? No, the, right? the rave. Like, what what is the rave? Oh yeah, do? the uh, gold rush. Gold rush. That was a great oh. time. Terrible <laughs> show. Like, I love the guy who runs the yeah. show. Yeah. Show sucks because everybody is on drugs. That that we talked about the positive things about uh-huh. drugs, but like the negative thing is like yeah, it's Dude, not there, good for comedy. It's a hard crowd when people are all like s- legitimately tripping or yeah. like on ketamine or something like that. Like what the what are the fuck <sighs> fentanyl? I don't know what those kids were on. I don't know either, man. But that was a that was an interesting night. I had to do two nights, and the second night I really really was reluctant. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, I want to have fun. Like, I want to just only take drugs. Yeah. So yeah, that's that was fun. But we were talking about your time as an EMT. Mm-hmm. Is that is that the right word? What's yeah. it? What's an EMT? Yeah, EMT is an emergency emergency medical technician. Technician. Yes, right. sir. So Boba. you ever see the guy driving an ambulance? That guy is an EMT. The the guys fire, uh, you know, driving the fire trucks or EMTs. They're just you know a part of the fire department. Uh-huh. Um. So yeah, I, I went to school for that. And um, my dad is a fire was a fireman in Tempe for um, like 26 years, wow. and so as a kid, I only had one path in my life. There was only one thought: it's firefighter. Like there was no other consideration. I didn't want to do anything else. And uh, so after high school, I took it like a year or like I think I had like six months off just to make some money. Worked at a warehouse. It was cool. It was fun. Yeah. And uh, then I went to school, got my EMT certification, and got hired on a PMT ambulance, which is a, a company based out of Mesa. They're not a company anymore, but it's private. So, so it's private. a private mm-hmm. EMT. So they're contracted by the government or something like that by the city. Well, yeah. So they con exactly they contract city to city. So PMT had um, stations in Tempe. They had stations in Peoria. Um, and then they had a thing called general transport. So you have to be 21 to drive an ambulance. Um, and I was, I got hired when I was 20. Right. And so I couldn't drive the ambulance yet. So they put me in a, um, a, uh, division, I guess you could say called, um, general transport, which is essentially you take a patient that is in perfect health, like, or not perfect health, but stable condition right and then you take them to like another hospital for like a surgery prep or fucking checkup or whatever they're doing it didn't matter we took them for a thousand different things and um we uh in that time in in general transport we would also go to the mental health facilities in arizona take them to a hospital or take them to another so so you're like like an uber only specific straight up yeah specific to these these conditions right so that was the first so this is all when you're straight edge though. Like now it's mm-hmm. good that we talked about the straight edge yep. thing. Like it kind of lines the time. I was up. straight edge as fuck. <laughs> yeah, okay. I was super straight edge when I got hired on. Yeah, <laughs> nice. I had just gotten my last fight, like pretty much, yeah. and that like fucking traumatized me. And oh, I was so like, then from the fight, then you moved on to yep. this. Oh, beautiful. Yep, all right. yep. And so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so after six months, I uh, turned 21 finally, and then I could drive. And so. Um, I got transferred from general transport to the 911 system. And then I was put in the 911 system and I uh, originally worked uh, for Peoria, like w- with the Peoria Fire Department um, in their city. And then we bordered Sun City too. So we went and saw like a lot of old people, a lot of old people. And then uh, from there, I went to Tempe and worked at my dad's city and like got to see him on calls sometimes. And oh, stuff. so he was actively working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, nice. when I was in ambulance and um, actually like, worked a fire that he was on which was not cool dude like it's not cool man i was standing there and i like literally saw him run into the burning building and he'd been doing this for two decades at this at this point and uh seeing it though like even still it gets me like sh- like like short short of breath like seeing that i was like whoa dude like i could be the one fucking like trying to save my dad yeah, if fire- things go bad you know and it was a big fire too it wasn't like some little fucking barbecue spilled you know and um, that was just a crazy, crazy time, and I saw some gnarly shit, dude. Yeah, very gnarly. Fun. And I also saw some hilarious things. 
Let's fucking start. I shouldn't say hilarious. Let's do gnarly, then like cap it off with the hilarious. Okay. Like, but this whole fire gig, right? Like, just looking at that. Yeah. That's not a good gig, man. So what the fuck, like, how how can we figure out a way where human beings are not doing that? How do you like? How do you fucking automate that? How do you like bring robots into the situation? Like, you have just like you have your dad running into a burning building. Like, what is this fucking seventeen fifty? Yeah, and he's like almost sixty at this time. By the way, yeah. he's like fifty-eight years old, Jesus. still. Yeah, but he was fucking. He's a he's a beast, man. Like he, even like sixty in his sixty-one-year-old uh, fireman, he was still middle top of the fucking class on his physicals and stuff when they had to do training. Jesus. You know, like technique Bad-ass. over strength type shit. You know, but um, yeah. Okay, so uh, a couple of uh, gnarly things. Uh, okay. Well, one is a, more of a good story than gnarly, but is uh, so we were working in Tempe and um. We ran in a city called Guadalupe. Oh, boy. I used to live pretty close to okay. Guadalupe. It's yeah. not a good scene. Yeah, you almost look like the residents of yeah. Guadalupe. Oh, yeah, You're not, dude. I, <laughs> you're not quite Mexican <laughs> enough, dude. I, I mean, that city is a uh, its a culture shock. That little Not even a city. It's not a city. They don't even have their own ambulance. It's, it's a town. It's not technically a city. It's a town. Okay. And so we had to cover the whole city of Guadalupe. So we ran in there a lot, right? right. It's a few blocks. <clears throat> it's not big. No, 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 no. It's like, uh, I don't know the, the square mileage, it's but not too much. it's like a hood. Yeah, it's like exactly. w- it's like a hood size, and it's the weirdest thing. So you're in Tempe, like you're so- if you're in South Tempe, mm-hmm. like you go- drive south enough, like south of Baseline or whatever, yeah. it's Guadalupe for a few like half a right. mile or something. Right, the freeway is the divider between civilization. And like to paint a picture here, like you know, can yeah. you paint a picture? Okay, what does Guadalupe look like, <coughs> dude? Gu- and with and I say this with respect to you, it's just a um. No, no, you can be. I'm being descriptive. I'm being descriptive. <laughs> it is. A very, very, very low-income town, um, and if you want to know the extent of how low-income, um, I've seen mattresses being used as front doors. <laughs> Most of the houses don't have windows in them. Um, there's at any point twenty fucking twenty to twenty-five uh, wild dogs running around, and not not stray either. They're packed up, dude. Jesus. And there's there's. Uh, multiple instances a year of like packs of dogs like fucking people up in Guadalupe dude Whoa. yeah they roll it's it's a weird world out there it's like a like little Mexico man honestly if you've ever yeah. been to Mexico or seen like Mexico City like the the the, the right in the smack downtown it's really busy and really du- like dusty that's exactly what Guadalupe is man they got like a yeah. one baseball field out there yeah, it's like a lot of like the the blues and the colors, right? Oh, all those man. colors, the Mexican turquoise, yeah, turquoise, turquoise, yeah. and and deep browns, yeah. you know, like clay, <laughs> like red clay brown, yeah, you know, and uh, yeah. So Guadalupe is a trip, man, and um, uh, <laughs> just spent a lot of time down there, like taking care of people. Like a lot of things have happened down there, but one in particular. It's like um, maybe midnight and we get a call and we get woken up. And uh, when you get into the ambulance, you got to keep in mind that you only get like one strip of information of what you're going to. And then like maybe before you get there, you'll get the full report, but not always. Oh, so you just get like a prompt, like a yep. telegram. Yep. And um, and so the 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 uh, I forgot what the actual like, acronym for it is, but like the strip of information said um, uh, shooting um, in back of alley, please stage at so-and-so and right. staging means there was a shooting and the police haven't found the gunman yet so okay. um the fucked up thing is is you know when you see the a, a lot of these like videos of uh you know police shooting 
uh, people or like there's been a shootout with the police, but like yeah. only two were accounted for. The ambulance cannot come in yeah. and like help the people until the police clear it. That's protocol. so. There's a lot of yeah, dude. There's a vi- a lot, of, and I'm not here to defend cops either. Trust me, dude. But there's a lot of like misunderstanding on how things go. Right. Like when you see someone bleeding out in the street and no one's there to help. There's a reason, dude. Right. We're not like behind that much. Trust yeah. me, you know. But anyways, so we're staging at this corner. And it's been probably like 20 minutes, 25 minutes, which means at this point, probably the gunman is gone. If he's not around the neighborhood, he's at least far enough away so we can come and like take this guy, this guy's body or whatever. Right. And so we go up to the alley and um, the cop is talking to this guy and um, we could, I could see the dead body in the alley, like it's face down. And we had to go put the, uh, you have to, by law, go put um, the, uh, uh, oh my God. I can't remember. It's been so long, man. I can't remember the name. It, it, it's like the heart monitor. You have right, to put right. the heart monitor on him to make sure it's flat. He's flatlined. A confirmed oh, be, dead. Oh, that's that's how you fucking confirm the guy's mm-hmm. dead. Yeah. You, do, you don't do like a finger under. No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but if someone's obliterated, though, we don't do that. Obviously, it's kind of like yeah, out of somebody's respect head. Thing. He's fucking decapitated. You're not hooking right. him up to a heart yeah, monitor. Yeah, I've I've done like a like a suicide before, and even like even like a shotgun suicide, they still put the fucking pads on him because how many people live through. Um, head traumas through like attempted suicides it's like a common thing and so even then you have to go put it on but this guy was whatever obviously dead and um the cop was like so uh, like what happened to this guy and we were all like half circled around this dude and just trying to get the story or whatever and we were about to leave and he's like uh yeah he came up to me like talking all crazy and he like ran up on me and i just shot him and the cop was like you shot him he's like yeah he's like (laughs) he's like okay do you have the gun on you right now? He goes, yeah, it's right here. And he like, pull, like pulled up his shirt, and the gun was in his waist and everything. And this like, is the, the cop. No, this was the guy okay. who shot this dude in the alley. But they were st- uh, they were looking for the gunman the whole guy. time. But they were talking to the gunman the whole time. And so like they like like brought him down to the ground and got his handcuffs and shit. And he was like, hey man, like what the fuck? I didn't do nothing to you. Like I told you what I did. Yeah. He was like, it was like another any other day, dude. It was just like I couldn't I couldn't this believe is in that Guadalupe. that's. Right, it's in Guadalupe, wow. so it's just some everyday fucking alley shooting shit in Guadalupe. The guy was Mexican. No, black guy. Black guy. Yep. Wow. Yep. One of probably like ten yeah. in Guadalupe. Out, out of the five hundred people, <laughs> probably doesn't them. live in Guadalupe. You know, um, but so yeah, that wasn't that gnarly. But you know, I think that's. It's uh, fun though. Like you're just fucking talking. I don't know. Fuck, fuck these guys. I don't. I, I'm entertained. Good. That's good. All yeah, I yeah, care yeah, about. yeah. And uh, and the gnarly one, I think I told you now. Uh, I'll make this quick too, but uh, the one I told you. <laughs> so we get a call, and I, like, like again, I got to reiterate, we get a strip of information, and that's all we get. And uh, <laughs> the strip of information said worms coming out of foot. That's all. I, that's <laughs> all it said, right? And I'm like, uh, what the fuck? You know, like, what are we pulling up on? How does this show? Like, you get paged or something? Like, how do how does this so show? So we're in our station. So like, we have a station with like some recliners and a TV. Like, if you're not on a call, you can relax at the station, and uh, make chili or whatever. Is that yeah, the dude. fire department? Yeah. So we we ate with the fire department quite often, and sometimes we just cooked our own shit in our little station, separate. Yeah. By the way, um, same building but separate. Yeah. Uh, Separate but equal, but yeah, I, no, separate but not <laughs> equal. Trust, yeah, no. We'd like go work out with them and stuff, and you know, um, just try to like be, you know, just like build like a, a rapport with everybody because we're gonna be seeing them all day, multiple times a day. So what what happens is you're sitting down or laying down or sleeping most of the time, and uh, y- there's a tone that goes off. It's uh, it like haunts me. 
It fucking haunts me, dude. Uh, I'll be in the grocery store and I'll hear it and I'll know the firemen are in or in uh, the grocery store shopping, but I'll hear it from I'm talking a sketchy distance away. Right. It's just like a and it's just like Oh man. PMT two seventy two. And give us, I'm like, all right, and we go up, you know, code code two, which means like just go with no lights. Code Uh, three means fucking hurry up and get there, you know. Fuck, I hear you about that, like the trauma. That like I used to get like so many (laughs) phone calls from my boss on my last job. Like it was so like fucking like stressful, triggering. Now the the standard Apple like ringtone that like gives me PTSD. Dude, I'm telling you, it's real. It's like that. What's that uh fucking thing where you like it's a it's a something effect where you make a noise and give the dog a treat. Make a noise, give the dog a treat, yeah, and by yeah. the, like the tenth time you make a noise, and it will expect a treat. Type oh yeah, shit. yeah. I, I, <laughs> both of us collectively too dumb to fucking know yeah, what yeah. the effect is, but, but I think yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what what happened. So that's right. exactly what happened. And then we, now, and then when we get in our ambulance, we have a laptop that's like mounted into our into our truck, and um, it pops up the basic information, the address, and then it pulls up the map, and the map tells you like where to go nice. or whatever. So worms coming out of foot. <laughs> Okay, it's probably like 9:30 at night, yada yada. We pull up, and there's a there's a lady on the couch with a um like a fries bag around her leg. Where's this at? What part of town? Um, Tempe. Tempe. Yeah, I don't know which part of Tempe necessarily exact, but we, our station was on like Southern and Hardy, right. so not like a what just whatever. And um, so she had like a fries bag around her leg, like up to maybe her knee. And, you know, we go in there, and, and the captain of the fire truck usually does all the talking, and the medic, like those two usually will do the talking, get the rundown, and um, they're like, so what's going on? And she was like, yeah, she's like, I've been having tr- like circulation problems with, with my leg, you know, <laughs> and, you know, it's just not, this is not doing so well. And he goes, okay, like, let's uh, let's see it, you know? And so she takes, like, the plastic okay, fries but, bag. Okay, so, so how does this woman look? Like, you got to describe Damn. her a little bit. Really? Uh, Okay, I'll describe what's important. Yeah. She's large. Okay. Um, very unhealthy. Portion of size, yeah. Yeah, very unhealthy. Um, calm. Calm. And, and uh, she's pretty embarrassed, you know what I mean? Okay. Um, a large, embarrassed lady. But, uh, she, but she knows what's happening. You know, she's just probably just super embarrassed, man. And um, and I feel for her, too, dude, because this is... I've never seen this shit in my life. Okay, so now uh, fries <laughs> bag, large. So the, fr- yeah, the large lady. Size, yeah. and, and so he... Okay, so th- I guess this matters. So she she is a, a large black woman, right? Um, f- pretty pretty dark complexion, um, which matters. She we take the bag off, and th- her foot is wrapped, but her leg is like you know exposed, and her leg was black black, right? Dead tissue black, <sighs> not no pigment in that yeah. skin at all, dead right? Right. And uh, <laughs> we start unwrap. It starts you know obviously smelling kind of bad, gangrenous rotting right and uh he starts unwrapping the the foot dude and he like unwraps where the like the toes are and he literally goes oh like you could hear him go like (laughs) you know a quick breath and his hand like kind of pulled back like a prissy like a prissy hand pulled you know like (gasps) you know and i shit you not man like if you look at your toes your toenails are laying flat right yeah adhesed to the curvature of your of your toe right her toes, and I mean all of them, her toenails were pushed up vertical. Yeah. So they were standing straight up, and there were maggots crawling out of every single toe bed, to, like toenail bed. Wow. It so was like she a, had toenail erection, basically. Dude, it, it was fucking disgusting, dude. 
And I literally don't believe, I have never believed in God. And I'm telling you right now, I was like, in my mind, I'm not kidding. I was like, please, God, please, God, don't make us like, like, take her. Like, or, or I was just being such a dick, you know, like, I was just so like, oh my, and you know. I she wish needed... she dies right no. now so this problem goes no. away. It did get to that point, though. I got very jaded very fast working on the ambulance. It got to that point where I was like, I wasn't even, I didn't want to help the people that needed us, right? Wow. So. That's a whole different like yeah, aspect so this to the like, MT itself. Like, what do you say, maggots? Worms? Maggots, what is man. It? Like maggots. How does that happen? What? What? Dead what? tissue. A infected dead tissue that's been dead for a minute, dude. And the <laughs> maggots start from the inside of where the dead tissue is, and they burrow their way out to oxygen. And wow. the closest port of entry <laughs> or exit, if you want to, is the toenail beds. And the maggots are so, their foot was so bloated with dead pus tissue. It's like pressurizing the maggots coming out of her. And they were just falling out of her fucking feet, dude, while we were looking at it. So disgusting. And and she was a gangster about her shit, too. She had her husband drive her to the hospital. She didn't even go in the the ambulance. Because, well, you know, I'm going to be, and this is where I am jaded, but this is what, it's real. If it's not a medical emergency, don't fucking go to the hospital in an ambulance. Right, right. Not only is it costing you money, undoubtedly costing you money, and if you don't have insurance, you are fucked right. in a hosp- on an on ambulance ride. Secondly, you really, really are tying up, and I, I'm not even trying to sound like a fucking uh, a politician, you are tying up very valuable resources right. when we're at your house because you have a fucking headache right. or a stomach ache for three days. Go to the fucking urgent care, dude. Yeah. Don't call them on one emergency and i understand emergency is a very um per person feeling people have different perceptions of what an emergency is but um that's what drove me out of that of that world is um i didn't want to be a fireman anymore not even a fucking hint of it because if this is what we were going to be doing all day going to everyone's houses literally fucking asking if people are okay well you know i've just had a real like weird pain like where my like my kidneys are hurting and i just like I wanted to fucking fight. I wanted to really hurt them, dude. Why did they call like call nine? So they call nine one one. That's how you guys get there. They call, dude. I'm telling you, man. People don't understand. It is ninety percent bullshit. That job is ninety percent. You do not need us to be here, lady, man, non-binary, whatever you identify as. We do not fucking need to be here. And you woke us up at three a.m. We had to drive with code three over here, putting everyone's safety in danger. I'm. I have to get up and drive fast with my lights on from a dead sleep, right? Right. And you, your stomach hurts. Wow. Like that's what. Who's really gonna make that judgment call though? Like I don't know. The operator has to make a judgment call. That's. There's got to be some filtering here. I know, Just man. because somebody I said know. so. You I know, know, I have friends who have like a kid, right? Like they had like new parents. So I understand they have anxiety, but if mm-hmm. a kid bumps his head, they 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 call nine one one. Like those. They are the probably the people you hate because yep. uh, they. I think they they confess to calling nine one one at least on four different occasions because their kid bumped their head. And and but you know what you know what the truth is though, when it's your child, we I understand that. I'm not even trying to like make myself sound like a better person. If your kid got hurt and you need to make sure, I truly understand that. And yeah, it's irritating to have to like go and like you know just deal with like a like psychotic parents that are just yeah. like <laughs> like you know can't talk and shit and whatever yeah. but um it's the it's the grown-ups that are in pain 
that call 911 because they're in pain. Wow. And it's just like if you're worried, you know. Especially I, now you can like Uber or Lyft there, right? Like if you could like Uber. No, no. Towards the end of our stint, we were Ubering people to the hospital. <laughs> we were calling Ubers for people for real because we were like, God, dude, I, I don't want to fucking. Like, we don't want to deal with this shit. And, uh, and you know, I, we're probably, you know, coming close to, to time, but. I will say this. This is how bad it actually got, and I will confess this. And you know, I actually like did like therapy and like dealt with like this before. This emotion would not sit well with me for a long time. This guy, and I, I'll leave his real name out for legal purposes, but Dox him, Dox him, do- yeah, do- yeah, Dox and Thompson. Let's just say cause his name is Dox and Thompson, right? So Dox and Thompson was a, a a Native American dude, a homeless guy. Um, his dad was also homeless, right? So they were like homeless together. Generational homelessness. Right, right. Classic and, American yep, story. And, yep, and they're both like severe. I mean severe like alcoholics. And, uh, you know, there's nothing funny about that, but it needs to be known. And, uh, you know, to the point where we would go pick up Doxon, Doxon Thompson, um, he'd have a seizure almost every day. And someone from each shift would have to go pick him up every day at a different location because he didn't have a, a, a license or an ID. So they wouldn't sell him alcohol. So he would just drink Listerine until he got drunk and he would just have a seizure because you can't drink Listerine like that, right? So it was just all bad. And one, this is a homeless guy. This is a homeless guy, right. So one day him and his dad are like hanging out, whatever, drunk as fuck, and they get into a fight and Dachshund pushes his dad in front of a fucking train, the train that runs through Tempe, and gets both of his legs cut off, right? So what... <laughs> Uh, it's not funny. One of my friends, one of the crew, like went and did th- dealt with that. It was I was on a day I was not working, so it was like the story around the fucking whatever. And then after that, Dachshund started calling like two or three times a day, like just either having a seizure or someone's calling the uh, cops on him or ambulance on him. And um, it was a it was a nightmare, man. Like I I really um, there was a lot of times I felt myself thinking like why why is he alive? Not like why is God allowing him to be alive, but why does he keep living? Like yeah. what's what's the decision that gets him up and be like, I'm going to keep going today? Because it was running into a, a wall every day, man. You know what I mean? And it was just really affecting me mentally. And I was getting so fucking angry at him. And one morning we get a text. This is after six eight to eight months of dealing with him every fucking shift, dude. We get a text. Um, we have like a each team or each ambulance has like a BlackBerry or like a cell phone assigned to them, and um, <clears throat> we get a text saying, "Hey, just want to let everybody know this morning, uh, Doxon Thompson like was found dead, like he was bludgeoned to death by a sledgehammer." Da da da. And me and my ambulance partner, we literally cheered, dude. Jesus. We're like, yes, 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 <laughs> and like we would see the fire department and we're like this, like. Just smiling at each other, dude, because like we fought, he was not a fucking part of our lives man. anymore, man. And that's Jesus Christ. That was the the catalyst for that shit for yeah. me, dude. I was like, oh, I really feel this way. Yeah. It wasn't a um. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to mask no, how sad like, I am like, for him. Really, it was true. It was true. Guttural came from the inside. And and it was almost like a release or like a relief because I knew he didn't have to live like that anymore either. But the main emotion right. was relief for me bro i fucking like appreciate so much yeah. like that that you you are so honest about it like yeah. somebody would like just kind of like dress it up and say ah it, it was because ah he was put out of his misery but no like you truly felt yeah. inside there's, t- that, there's two realities yeah and that was like yeah. personal that was about you it was not about dachshund it nope. was about you no nope, that was me not wanting to fucking deal 
not wanting to see him and be sad. Me being sad for him was gone the first month that we ran on him every day. So you lasted a month. Mm, I mean, probably not even, to be honest. And there's another couple of people that were like that, too, that um, w- one lady's in prison, like, extended amount of time for abuse of the 911 system. She called 911 so much, they would send her to prison eventually. Homeless? No. Nope. Just a crazy drunk lady, dude. Jeez. I've seen her get pepper sprayed, rubber bullet, hogtied, tased, batoned beat up with someone's fist i've seen her get her ass kicked every way imaginable dude she's a s- crazy lady Wow. and when she got sent to prison same fucking feeling like yeah bitch like yeah we'll see who's gonna call 911 now like you know what i mean like wow. ha- have fun in prison so like do you think this like almost makes you a worse human being mm-hmm. just looking at so much like misery or yeah like, dude are you an are you st- it, or, or is it not being a worse human being no it, it depends on it depends on who you are i guess um I wasn't able to put like compassion first, understanding first, empathy. Those Over a like sustained period of time, no. though, that's the thing. Like it's easy to be empathetic once mm-hmm. in passing. Mm-hmm. It's much much harder to be empathetic every day for eight months. It's almost impossible, man. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was almost impossible for me. And uh, well, it was, it was. I ended up quitting on my own accord. Like I was like, this is fucking bullshit, dude. I'm out of here. And uh, I, again, I was still straight edge. So I had no outlet. Like, everything I was seeing and feeling, <laughs> I was just eating that shit. You know what I mean? Like, not physically. Not <laughs> I guess I guess you could do a bowl of eating. But I was just, like, you know, just taking it, taking it, taking it. And my fucking bitch-ass girlfriend at the time, dude, was just, like, so mean and so not understanding. Like, I'd get home from a 24-hour shift, no sleep. And then she'd want me to, like, hang out with her and shit yeah, all day. Entertain her. Yeah. And I'm like... Are you fucking literally out of your mind? You know what I mean? And yeah, you, fucking call 911 like the other lady. Yeah, you want to see <laughs> me? Yeah, exactly. You want me to fucking care? No, but uh, yeah, I'm so glad I got out of that, man. And, you know, um, I have no direction, really. Uh, oh, I had no oh, I had no direction for a really long time, and that was okay with me because I was becoming a better person. You know, and now that I've kind of arrived at someone that I don't, I don't hate being, uh, the thing, like my passions and interests, um, it, it like flows into me a lot easier than it was when I was just hating everything and just so nihilistic about everything. There's a lot of nihilism that exists in me still, but that's what makes, I think that's what makes life enjoyable too. Right. Understanding that none of this truly, truly matters to me um, in, in the sense of like what happens afterwards and like life after life on earth. And it's just, it's not a concern So it's almost like one, st- you're stopping one step before nihilism. Nihilism is almost saying like, okay, there's nothing after this. So even this doesn't matter. Right. Well, I don't know now. I don't know if the belief of nothing exists after is is the root of nihilism. If it's not, then I don't believe that. I I have had ex- an experience, a singular experience, um, with uh, DMT right. that um, really solidified my belief in an afterlife of some sort. Really, I can't say uh, it's anything that's been described. And um, in my experience, no religion was tied to that experience or to that conversation. And uh, I felt like uh, I felt like I was experiencing um, things that people who do believe in an entity like that could only wish to experience. Because right. like, I was experiencing it, wow. like, and that's really hard to talk about without sounding crazy. Yeah. But whatever you, your your um, idea of a higher power is, that's what I experienced or who yeah. I experienced, and it wasn't. Uh, there was other like en- entities or energies i guess you could say in that experience and one of them was like the one and like i mean <laughs> i'll send you the trip report if you want to read it man 
Right, so it's, it's, fucking, a, a trip report. it's very it's like a, hard to articulate. It's like a Carfax report. It's a trip report that yeah. I can look at. This, yeah. But like, <laughs> it's interesting. I know, and this is like a whole other can of jizz, right? Like, But everybody I know who believes in an afterlife believes in it, in it in such a superficial way that, okay, somebody's like told you about it. And exactly. That's why you believe in it. But that's yeah. not what you're talking about. You're talking about actually like somehow like it may be real, it may be fake, it may be your mind playing tricks with mm-hmm. you, but you actually experience something subjectively. This is this the short and sweet answer to that. This is exactly what I experienced. I experienced my consciousness, who I am, and every part of me. I experienced it going somewhere else completely separate from my body. I had no body in this experience. I had it was pure consciousness. I could see and I could feel, but I I had no body. All the emotions were real, and all the feelings, the physical feelings were real, but I had no body. And so if I was experiencing that, and I mean experiencing, not hallucinating either. Like, there's a big difference, and I've done both, right? And DMT does not make you hallucinate. Really? It's an experience, right? And um, I just experienced... Uh, consciousness outside of my body and if that can happen then it's just gonna it it, it just doesn't end there's no way i just can't believe it no one can ever convince me like um anything specific but no one can ever convince me that there isn't something afterwards really and i have no isn't it your mind playing like how do you distinguish between and i don't want to sound like an asshole no no no, you're good you're good i've not done it so i don't know i've not experienced it so i can't speak to it but i know my mind plays tricks with me right like just the basicest of shit Mm -hmm. like you think you just did something but you did not like you walk into like fucking george carlin jokes you walk into a room you don't know what you were there to do sure right so like your mind is is this just like fucking complex this bag of chemicals that is doing all these different things mm-hmm. how do you not know when you're tripping right is your mind making that shit up like why why do you like put so much weight on like that experience maybe it's a hallucination that's so good that it seems like an experience that's the thing so in it, the difference in my mind is a hallucination and experience are different in a way that you can't feel a hallucination a hallucination is not tangible to you like you can't feel you can see it and think it's there and be like oh that's pretty like closed-eyed hallucinations is what they're called because it happens in your eyelids but you can't feel anything in your body you can't feel yourself moving without moving but in the dmt experience which is why it's an experience is because you feel it all and when you move forward you're moving forward without your body but the sensation of moving forward is just like you're walking. Sensation of going up fast is the same sensation as going up fast in a roller coaster, but there's no body attached to this experience. So the difference between a hallucination and experience is, is it tangible? Can you feel it, right? Whereas a hallucination is just really cool or can be or scary because it's truly not real. And I don't like hallucinogenics, right? Mm. I don't like tripping to the point where I'm seeing, seeing things, things that, that aren't not there. Exist, yeah. I like the hyper sense of reality where like acid and mushrooms on like a a decent dose, like a, a, a doable dose, just makes every sense that you have, including your emotions, smell, taste, hearing, sight, all enhanced. And it's... <laughs> <laughs> Dude, like, 
I know you're trying to describe it, and yeah. this is just me. Like I have no vantage point sure, to really sure. understand it, and I could talk about this with you forever, man. This this has been fucking great. I know you have a show to get to to fucking crush. One last thing, and we yeah, can get yeah, the yeah. fuck out of here. So try to kind of bring all of it tied together. Okay. We had Doxon Jackson. You had the lady. Doxon Thompson. Doxon Thompson. Yep. Yeah. He, he got married. <laughs> he took got, his wife's got name. Miss Warmfoot. <laughs> you got Lady Warmfoot. Yeah. You got the fucking lady. Passes a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you you see all these horrible things. You see, you got jaded, and this is very so interesting to me that you you are a nice person. Mm. Like I've interacted with you so much. You are like genuinely nice, caring Thank person. You. Thank but you. But like for eight, like that that stint for two years, three years, whatever, mm-hmm. like made you so bitter that a man being bludgeoned to death, and that that made you feel like personal joy, relief, like personal, uh, relief, like and relief. you were happy that that happened. All of this happened, and I think that's understandable. But do you think if you were actually not straight edge and were on mushrooms when all of those things happened, would there have been a different outcome, different way you looked at those situations? And But how different would they have been? Yeah, I, I truly do think that. And I think that my uh, path to not doing it would have been way quicker. I think I would have been in that um, uh-huh. profession for maybe three months. Really? So I I would have th- what I was thinking is maybe if you did mushrooms you would like have so much empathy that you'd just keep doing it. Well, I think that there's people out there like that. Like I said, it you know everyone's different, you know, and uh, mushrooms are gonna do about the same thing to everybody. It's just the host is everyone's different. No one's exactly the same. So, in my eyes, I can say looking back with how I felt about working there, I think that I would have been so empathetic that it would have destroyed me. Like, honestly, if I were to go do ambulance work now, I don't think I can handle the 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 sadness yeah. as opposed to handle the annoyance, yeah, right? Human so suffering. Right? I, I'm a more understanding person. I'm more empathetic, but with more empathy comes more emotion. And um, I really, really, and it, this is not the best way to live either. Like, I, I just really try to avoid um, bad feelings yeah at all costs and um i don't want to be the one to help people anymore like i just don't uh on, on a 911 level right like i don't want to go and be like hey like i'm so happy to be here for you man like if you need anything you need you know that that is reserved for the people i care about yeah you know like i i really almost lost myself and um i was putting way too much attention and energy to people who weren't reciprocating or even if i was giving good time and energy into them they were just kept being who they were and they were like grandfathered into my life somehow because i've known them since i was nine you know what i mean like who gives a fuck how long you've known someone if they're not good for you they're not good for you yeah so now i don't i don't look forward to helping anyone in need i just look forward to like having a tool belt where if someone needs to change their life i can at least give them a small faded blueprint on how to do it like i think that's my like it's my place in life for people who can't get real close to me, you know, and um, I've been that person online for a good amount of time. I've been like a harm reduction specialist for psychedelics in the Reddit community for years mm-hmm. and people that um, want to trip for their first time or they're thinking about upping their dose or something like that. They come to me for advice. I give them a little checklist, you know what I mean? And they abide by the checklist. They have a good time. Like those, You're- that's how I want to help people. Like I don't want to go put band-aids on people anymore or, you know, yeah. I, it's just too sad, man. I yeah. can't handle it. And that's it's not my fault. I just, that's who I've become right now. And I can't handle all that sadness, dude. Right on, man. Got right too on. much of my own, you know I what I mean? I think that's a, a way more effective way of doing it, too. Like, you, you're doing it on a, on a scale that is much more, is much more scalable. Like, you're not going and 
doing this door to door thing yeah dude but yeah. i love that like in all of this like there's this like angle of helping people which i think is lost in today's world sure. you want to plug that reddit sure. channel i don't know like if that's no. a thing no 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 that's no. not a plug thing nope nope you nope. find it you find it yeah you'll know um if you <laughs> yeah you know if you know you can find me you can fi- you won't know it's me but you can if you really you can are find someone if you really are genuinely interested on 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 um wanting advice on how to trip for your first time you can inbox me Right. Like I'll talk about how to do it. Don't inbox me looking for anything. Don't be yeah. stupid. You're not gonna but get anything. If you need advice, this is all like fictional conversation. Yeah, yeah. And I'll I'll give you obviously my trip report so you can read it. You'll know yeah. who I am on there. But um, yeah, if you need any advice, just let me know, man. I, like I said, I'm not a fucking doctor, but I did. You know, I I really did change change who I was. Um, pretty. Like in totality, yeah. I'm just. I mean, if if you knew me in high school or early 20s, as opposed to now, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm just glad that I met a lot of you guys. This person instead of the person that I was. I was just so closed off, so angry, so judgmental. If you looked at me for too long, it's one yeah. of those things. Like, what the fuck are you looking at, dude? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, what? What? Like, what the, I said, what the fuck? Like, you know? And yeah, just an idiot, dude. Just an angry white idiot. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Baba Macom. Yeah. This was a beautiful It was a pleasure, man. It was a pleasure. I would love to be back, too. And whenever you yeah. want to hear uh, more about whatever, you let me know. And yeah. um, starting the podcast up again, too. Hella Tired Podcast. And Abrar will absolutely be on the short list for being a guest. So I want to dig into your life, too, dude. Fuck yeah, I think yeah, we man. both have some interesting stories. Fuck yeah. And uh, I, I really appreciate you having yeah. me on. Thanks for being mm. on, my friend. Firm handshakes. This is great. All right. Goodbye. Thank you.